0: Welcome back, Young & Profiters. This is Halataha, and I've got a special episode for you all today. I was a recent guest on Ben Albert's podcast, Listen, Speak, Teach on The Real Connection Network. And Ben was kind enough to let me share this episode with you all. We had a great conversation about podcasting and how I grew Yap into the podcast and business that it is today. And we talked about how I prepare for podcasts and how podcasting can be a great tool for networking, lead generation, and education. We also discussed some of the challenges in starting a podcast and how I was able to pivot to overcome them. If you're a regular YAP listener, you know that I love actionable advice, and so we round out the episode with tips on how to grow your LinkedIn following. This is a really fun episode and perfect for listeners who are looking to become entrepreneurs or who want to get into podcasting. And before we get started, I wanted to take a quick second to recognize Ben. Not only is he an awesome podcast host, but he has his own podcast network called Real Business Connections, and he's also the CEO of of Balbert Marketing. He just dropped a new website and so I encourage you to check it out. It's called realbusinessconnections.com. That's realbusinessconnections.com and I'll stick that link in the show notes. And without further ado, enjoy my conversation with Ben Albert.
1: Holla, what's up? How are you today?
0: Hey, so happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: I'm so excited. If if you're a podcaster, you already know who Hala is. But if you're rolling out from under your rock, we'll give the bio. To, she deserves a tremendous amount of credibility here. So Hala, Young and Profiting Podcast. It's the number one trending podcast in education. 350,000 downloads a month and counting, right? Yeah. Um, has had guest stars like Matthew McConaughey, Seth Godin. Gretchen Rubin, Jordan Harbinger. Um, she's also the CEO of Yap Media, full-service social media and podcasting marketing agency, um, podcasts of celebrities, CEOs. You did $2 million revenue in your first year. Yes. That's insane. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank and, you. Um, she's well-known for her engaged LinkedIn following. I follow her there. Almost 150,000 followers, 3 million views per her month on her linkedin um and you were on podcasting magazine so Hala, you're the official princess queen rock star brilliant overachiever in the podcasting world and if anyone's rolling out from under that rock now they know who Hala is but holla who are you these are your achievement right well what happens when you you put the mic down you're just who is holla
0: What a good question and a great way to start. Thank you so much for that nice intro, Ben. I really appreciate it. Um, Who is Hala? Well, Hala is obsessed with podcasting. so (laughs) My career is is really taking the forefront, especially the last, you know, three, four years. I've been really career focused. But who is Hala? I'm fun. I'm really funny. I'm silly. I'm friendly. I'm bubbly. I love to be with my friends, uh, work out. You know, I'm family oriented. So, Just, you know, a bubbly girl, I should say, that loves her career.
1: (laughs) I love this. You're you're bubbly, you're fun, but you're also no fluff, straight to the point, great interviewer. You kind of strike me as the kind of person that could be successful in a whole array of professions. Why podcasting?
0: Podcasting was something that I was always sort of dabbling in in some shape or form before podcasting was even a thing. So I started my career in radio as an intern at Hot 97, and you know I had many shows over the years. Young and Profiting is actually my fifth or sixth show. And so I had a YouTube show. I had online radio shows on DTFradio.net and A-Listradio.net and Bottom Music Radio and all these different online radio shows before podcasting was really a thing. Um, Then I took a hiatus and thought I'd never get back on a mic and then started Young and Profiting Podcast after a four-year break. Mm. And so I had a lot of experience under my belt. And I always – even when I took a break, I was working at Hewlett Packard. And I was the girl who was like interviewing the CEO and the CMO and doing the internal podcast. And it was just always a thing for me for the past 10 years. I was always doing something along these lines. So um, it was always a passion. And then I just really leaned into it when podcasting started taking off and decided, hey, it's now or never. I'm going to miss the boat if I don't jump in.
1: You jumped in, you're on the boat, you're steering the ship. Um, <laughs> but l- let me ask one more time. So why do you think you connected to podcasting specifically as an art form and, and really an art and a science?
0: Well, there's lots of reasons. First first of all, I feel like I was destined to always use my voice. Mm. Uh, in my career and to impact the world. So I'm a singer. I always have been my whole life. And so my younger life... Teenage years, middle school, elementary school. It was all about singing, even in college. I actually took my first internship at the radio station because I was trying to push my music, not to be on the radio. I thought I was going to like get my in to get my yes. songs on the radio by working at the station. And then I found out that I loved being on the mic. And this was another way I could use my voice to impact the world that wasn't necessarily singing and seemed like a more realistic and even more impactful way uh, to, to um impact the world and so in terms of young and profiting podcast really my goal was to help other young professionals make their first six figures. That's why I called it young and profiting. Mm. I had kind of a slow start in my career, I would say. I was really trying to make it in radio. I almost had a show on MTV. I was hosting parties. I was like somebody who started my corporate career way later than everyone else. Like my first corporate job was like I was 27 when everybody else was like 21. But I rose up the ranks super quick and became promoted way faster than everybody because I was an entrepreneur within my company because I was I thought so much differently because I had such different experiences. And then I wanted to teach everybody else like, hey, you could do this too. Like like whether you want to be an entrepreneur, whether you're in corporate, I think I can help you and and I can interview experts who can I can basically unpack their wisdom to help you guys become more profitable in your professional and personal lives. So that was really my goal with the podcast.
1: yeah, you can, you will, you are. And podcasting, it's still relatively an uncrowded channel, right? There's still a lot of room for people to come up. Am I wrong?
0: Yes, I think there is still lots of room. I think there's room anywhere as long as you're willing to Mm. be consistent, to stand out, to put in the right amount of time and the right amount of effort. I think there's a lot of people entering the podcast world who don't take the time to understand the industry and understand how you can succeed and might not put there f- the full amount of effort it takes to succeed but there definitely is still room if you've got that drive
1: yes yes i love it and well you've got the drive you you have a whole network now Let, let's talk a little bit about that because that's new to me this is like a brand what what's brand this new. network you're building hala
0: so um, at the start of the year, I decided to launch what's called the Yap Media Podcast Network. So uh, for those who don't know, I have a marketing and podcast production agency, like you mentioned in the intro. And uh, with that, I had grown three other shows to about my size. So I grew three other huge shows. And then I started learning how to monetize my show. And uh, I ended up selling out all of the shows that are in our exclusive network. So much so that like we had to put out more episodes because we needed to satisfy sponsors. And then it clicked to me that like, oh, wow, like, it's time for me to launch a network and start recruiting shows because I know everything about this. And honestly, if you had asked me five years ago, you know, where do you see Young and Profiting podcast? Um, I would have said, oh, we're going to be the biggest podcast network in the world. And Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what that meant, but I always said it. Right. And then Earlier this year, like at the start of the year, it all clicked like, oh my gosh, I've been building this network this whole time and all these experiences that I've had thus far, even creating this marketing agency and monetizing my show and learning the ropes. That was all to prepare me to know everything I needed to know to launch my own network. So 20 shows now under Young and Profiting's brand and it's super exciting.
1: I'm literally – I'm going to make a note to subscribe right now. Guys, go to the show (laughs) notes as – we do this. As I do this, go to the show notes. You'll find Young and Profiting. You need to make sure you're subscribed. It's incredible. We'll subscribe to the network. And where else do you hang out, Hala? Where Where should people find you?
0: Well, I'm on LinkedIn, so I love LinkedIn so much. And uh, I spent a lot of time there on Instagram at Hala, I'm also on Clubhouse, so I love social audio. Uh, still doing Clubhouse events, even though it's kind of died down, but mm-hmm. I'm doing one, in fact, next Thursday. So Clubhouse, Instagram, LinkedIn, and even Twitter I'm on now, so...
1: Awesome, and you're fun. That you're fun to follow. You've got brilliant insight. In um, Instagram posts, this is one specifically that spoke to me. You talked about the reason to podcast and. I'm remembering here. Networking, lead generation and learning. Mm. Networking, lead generation and learning. Let's break those down. So if someone were to start a podcast or maybe not, maybe they're going to start a networking group or host an event. Well, tell me a little bit the networking, lead generation and learning. Let's yes. start with networking. Well, what, is podcasts, what is podcasting done for you in that room?
0: Oh my gosh. Podcasting is such a great networking tool. So first of all, the guests that you invite on Mm. the show, they're people that you would otherwise usually not be able to talk to, but because you can scale their conversations, they're willing to take that hour with you. So I think about it and I'm like, I had an hour and a half with Matthew McConaughey and I didn't pay a cent. Like that's crazy. Like I've been able to talk to every single one of my favorite authors, literally every single one. And it's, it's just, unbelievable that these people take the time to talk to me. And it's only because I started the show. And even before I had a ton of downloads and listeners, I was able to reach out to these people. And they were willing to give me a chance because they thought like, hey, I'll put my chips on this girl, you know, maybe 500 people will listen. And that's good enough for me. And so having that as leverage is really powerful, no matter how big your show is. In fact, I will say that even when I was one fourth the size, it was Just as easy or hard to get guests. Like it hasn't gotten that much easier as I've gotten bigger. So keep that in mind. Like you don't need to be the biggest podcaster in the world to get really good guests. And that is a huge networking opportunity. Um, The lead generation piece really flows nicely into this because actually the guests that come on my show, in my case, are my perfect clients. So I do social media for CEOs, best selling authors, influencers, top podcasters. I do podcast production. And so a lot of people that come on my show, they're authors that want to start a podcast or they're authors that are launching a book and they realize how good my marketing is and they want to get exposure. And they've seen the other authors I work with and they just jump right on. And so I never sell on my podcast. I just do my interview and Mm -hmm. I never even target people who I think could be my clients. I just pick people who I like uh, and want to kind of present their material to the world. And one thing leads to another. Even if it's months later, they contact me. Hey, Holla, like, I want to set up a call and talk about social media or like, you know, I saw what you did with Heather Monahan and I want to discuss it. And sometimes after the interview, it will go right into a discovery call. This has happened so many times where they're like, Holla, do you have 30 minutes? Like, can you just tell me what you do? Can you just show me what you do? And I go through it. And then next thing I know, you know, they're my client and they become my mentors. And so then these guests become my clients. And then because I'm talking to them all the time, they end up becoming my mentors. So for me, it's like this whole ecosystem that really is awesome. And honestly, I feel like I've created my dream job doing this. So that was networking, lead generation, and learning was the last one. Mm -hmm. So you know, it depends on your style. Everyone's different. I do a lot of research. And so that means that I read everyone's book who comes on my show. I study the topics. I study the outside research. I listen to all their interviews. And then that forces me to learn a new topic each week. Um, it, of course, depends on the format of your podcast. You know, if your podcast is all about videos and, you know, you're studying that one topic and you're probably an expert already. But for me, it's a different topic each week. I'll talk about sleep one week. I'll talk about podcasting the next and I'll talk about, you know, selling your business in the next episode. And so I have to learn all these new topics each week. And that forces me uh, having that interview deadline as somebody who Mm -hmm. loves to procrastinate and needs that like (laughs) pressure. It's like forces me to like read a book a week and, and like really understand a new topic. Let's hold that thought and take a quick break with our sponsors. We got a super cute bungalow in Venice Beach with a fenced backyard. The change in scenery, the fresh air, and the slower pace to help me to inspire some really cool new ideas for my business. And honestly, I'm feeling really refreshed and ready to rock in 2024. And who helped me make these remote work dreams come true? It was Airbnb. And Airbnb has come in clutch for me time and time again. Whether it's finding the perfect Airbnb home for our three-day annual executive team get-together or booking a vacation where my extended family can fit all in one place, Airbnb always makes it a great experience. And you know me, I'm always thinking of my latest business venture, and I've been begging my boyfriend to start hosting our place on Airbnb. And finally, we're going to start. So many of my successful friends host on Airbnb, and it's such an amazing way to generate passive income. So to start, we have a plan to start spending more time in Miami And we'll be hosting our place to earn some extra money when we're back on the East Coast. 2024 goals, and I'll keep you updated. A lot of people don't realize that they might have an Airbnb right under their own noses. I was pretty surprised myself. You can Airbnb your place or spare room, even if you're out of town for just a few days or weeks. You could do what I did and work remotely somewhere else and Airbnb your place to fund your trip. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's airbnb.com slash host to find out how much your home is worth. Young and profiters, it's never been a better time to be an entrepreneur. With inspiration at our fingertips and powerful tools at our disposal, the possibilities are endless. And when it comes to tools that can truly make your business grow, there's one name that always stands out Shopify. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the real store with the door stage, and even the did we just hit a million orders stage? And if you're in that, I need to sell more with less stage, Shopify magic is your AI superpowered sidekick ready to whip up captivating content that converts from blog posts to product descriptions. Not to mention Shopify also is the home of the best converting checkouts in the game, 36% better than other leading commerce platforms. Shopify turns browsers into buyers. Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. And remember, whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com profiting, and that's all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com profiting to start growing your business today. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com profiting.
1: Holla, you're on fire. I love oh, it. Thank you. I love it. And, and you're spot on. And the reason I want to bring that up is I couldn't agree more. I couldn't disagree with a single thing you said. Um, two mentors of mine, Brian Bogert of No Limits You and uh-huh. Stu Heinick of How to Get a Meeting with Anyone. These two gentlemen, they're speaking at my first ever summit, Real Business Connection Summit. Um, we're raising money for Alzheimer's, and I'll be honest, I'm falling forward. I've never put on an event like this, and the only reason I I have the opportunity to even ask them to grace the stage was through podcasting. And mm-hmm. like you said, Matthew McConaughey, it's, he's got to be pretty expensive for a consultation call, but you got to spend <laughs> a half hour to an hour w- with him, right? It, an hour and a half, yeah. An, an <laughs> hour and a half. Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, it, it's, it's so, so true. So podcasting is incredible. And then the other flip side of networking, just to add to it, is once you have a common interest that a lot of people are interested in, you can make friends really easily. Like so many of my best friends are other podcasters. And I feel like I've made these amazing relationships with people I have so much in common with, because we all have this hobby in common. And that's the glue that can stick your group together. And so one of the things that I did as a new podcaster is I went on LinkedIn, and I found every single up and coming podcaster, anybody who is making any little bit of noise, and this was like a yes. year and a half ago. And I said, hey, like, join my WhatsApp group. Let's do a monthly mastermind call. Let's get to know each other. Let's support each other's links. Let's go on each other's shows. Let's grow together. Let's do review swaps. And now some of those people, like, are my best friends. I've met them in real life. And we go to conferences together. And it's just an amazing way to meet new people.
1: It really is. It's, wow, well, Hala, it, it's amazing because I, I'm going to do a cartoon of you. We do a cartoon of each guest. When I started listening to your podcast, I'm like, this This woman's like my sister from a whole new world because everything I started to do, I'll be honest, I was kind of copying Jordan Harbinger and everything I started to do, there was so much alignments with what you did. And then I started listening to you and then I heard that you were mentoring with Jordan and I'm like, this world's really small. Like I'm meeting my best friends every single day. This mm-hmm. is so cool. Um Let's talk about I'm sidestepping but let's talk about the preparation because you said, you know, reading a book a week. I I remember like you put like 10 to 20 hours Yeah. of research into ep- every episode. Is well, that was that yeah. a back in the day thing? Is that still yeah. the case? Yeah. So, <laughs> I
0: don't have time to do that anymore. When yeah. I was so uh, like we didn't mention it in this episode yet. So, okay. when I first started the podcast, the first Three years or – so the podcast is about four years old. So I'd say the first two and a half years – it's like crazy how fast time flies. The first two and a half years, I was working in corporate. So I had a job at HP. I had a job at Disney. And I was – Still like a very fast growing podcaster. Like I had like a big show already, and like was interviewing big guests. And I would do my interviews at lunchtime, like in phone fo- phone booths, and or like I live like you know right by my apartment, and I drive home super quickly to like do my interview and come back. And I, and honestly, at that point, yeah. all I had was the podcast as like my little passion and. I had a very small team of interns and volunteers. By episode eight, I had like 10 volunteers. So I always had a team pretty much. But it was still a small team and and 90% of the work fell on my shoulders. So I studied my butt off because I Mm -hmm. knew that was the only way I was going to like stand out is if I was the best and if I had the best questions and if the guests who came on my show were like, hey, like you might not be the biggest podcaster, but you were one of the best interviews I ever had and all these huge guests would say that and then they would go tell their friends and introduce me to their friends and it kind of helped like elevate me so I really focused on prepping and yeah I would spend more than 20 hours a week I would spend any downtime I'd be in the gym listening to interviews I'd be um you know anytime I'm cleaning I'm listening to interviews and studying I would be um you know, reading their book, to your point, I would be uh, looking at their book reviews is another good hack. Like what what is the good reviews? What are the bad reviews? What's the controversy? And I would prepare a lot. And to me, that's my method. But I know that there's so many successful podcasters that don't do that at all. So it really mm-hmm. just depends on what works for you. Now I have a team and we have processes. And it's like I get a research doc. And then I spend like three or four hours. And I block out the four hours before a show. I read what my team wrote. I'm skimming through the book. Every guest that comes on my show, I ask for a PDF of the book. And that way I can copy and paste whatever I need. Right. It's, it's it's really annoying to use like Kindles and stuff like that. So like, that's another hack, like asking for a PDF of the book. And then I just kind of like add in my two cents. And now I've done so many interviews. And some of the, the topics are kind of overlapping where I've done like five sleep episodes or like Mm. 20 human behavior episodes. So it's like, I know some stuff. So then I, you know, I I make it my own and and then I just get ready and go for it.
1: Well, let's talk about that balance with preparation because my style is conversational. Um, I actually prepared more for this podcast than most of them because I heard on your show that you put to 10 to 20 hours and I'm like, out of respect for Hala, I need (laughs) to put in my time today because that's what she would want. But generally, I'm raw and conversational because this is the issue I struggle with. And I'm wondering if you've ever ran into this. If you prepare questions or you have quotes or different things you want to touch on ready to go, sometimes I feel like I fall out of the present. I stop listening and I'm trying to kind of figure out my next cue for a question. I'm trying to lead the conversation. But really, the learnings and the listening and the questioning comes from listening for me most of the time. Have you ever felt that way where you have questions prepared and you feel like you're falling out of the moment? How do you get back to the moment? What's your experience with that?
0: So the only time I feel like that is if I actually didn't prepare enough.
1: So if
0: I like rushed it and I only had like an hour, then I feel like I'm glued to my notes because I feel like I'm not confident enough. I didn't study enough. Like I don't know enough. And then I feel glued to my notes. And and that's when I feel like stuck. Like I can't have a conversation and pay attention. It's because I'm so worried that I didn't study enough, right? So part of the research for me and everyone's different is it gives me the confidence. And then I start to know their story and material that no matter what, which way they turn, I don't need to go through my questions in order. I almost never do. But they end up telling what I wanted them to say most of the time so it's like I'll prepare five questions I'll ask them a question knowing that like okay if they don't lead into this I want to lead them to this if they don't lead to this I want to lead them to this they might hit on three out of the five things that I wanted to lead them to then I just go to the fourth and the fifth and lead them down that path because they already got the information out to my listeners so I don't stick to it like it's the bible you know what I mean but it's that information that that really prepares me to have the best conversation and to make sure that like any like really powerful gems learning story I pull out and we have Mm. the most impactful interview for my listeners. So I feel like it makes all the difference. I honestly, I've 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 tried to wing interviews before. And like I said, I feel more glued to my notes when I don't study enough. And uh, I rather just really know the material and then have the notes be there as sort of like a guide, a refresher, a confidence booster and just like have a natural interview. So
1: Keep it natural because you're prepared. It makes all the difference, all the impact. And I'm wondering, so where did you learn this from? Because one thing I fail at a lot is I'll learn, 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 but I won't do it efficiently. And then there's there's quicker ways to learn how to do things. Do you have a mentor or coach that's kind of brought you through how to hone these systems and really speed up your research time?
0: No. Um, this is all. <laughs> no, I wish. No. <laughs> I, I did it all on my own and it was all through iteration. And really what, what really made it be like more of a process is because we started selling it. Mm. And so I had an intern team when I first started. But episode two, I had my first intern. Now he's my business partner. He has equity in the company. By episode eight, I had 10 volunteers in a Slack channel and I always had to teach people how to help me, right? So whether it was giving them a template for a video or teaching them how to do graphics or write social media or do social engagement, whatever it was, I always had to create like SOPs for my intern team, my volunteer team. Once we had clients, it's like we even had to step it up another notch. It, it was no longer good enough to have like, you know, a basic template or do it differently every time. And so we started to standardize things, took the best of everything that we did and create materials that we could then scale and sell to our clients. So our clients get research docs, I get research docs. And now my team just uh, treats me like a client in in a way. So I get, you know, I don't have to pay for it, thankfully. And I get all my research and, and get all my I'm prep for my shows. And then, uh, like I said, I always put in my two cents and, and and learn it because that's what gives me the confidence to do well in my interview.
1: Yeah, I appreciate your confidence to learn it and have the grip because it, it sounds like it wasn't simple, easy. There's no three actionable tips and tricks that we could do today. It takes work. Have you ever felt like throwing in the towel, dropping the mic and just walking out? Do you ever have a bad day? You seem like you're always on, Hala.
0: <laughs> well in the beginning it was it was slow growth and like that's the learning here for everybody tuning in when you first start podcasting unless you've got a huge budget unless you're a celebrity unless you got really lucky with an amazing podcast name that has the best seo and yeah. you just like you know what i mean it's like luck it's like you could get lucky i'm not saying it's impossible you could get lucky and blow up in your first six months my Journey was two years of like just consistency, relentless effort, shooting my shot, being creative, reaching out to the podcast players, growing my LinkedIn following, promoting the heck out of the podcast, making sure my marketing was so on point, getting a team to help me push out the message and help me even scale even faster. And then by year two is when it like went crazy. It's like my chart was like flat and then it was like of hockey Mm -hmm. stick growth and that's when everything really turned on and from that moment like no I like really haven't had any bad days (laughs) but like before that it it really was like I would look at my podcast chart and be like man like am I ever gonna get to 10,000 downloads an episode am I ever gonna get to like and I couldn't even imagine You know, I couldn't even imagine. And then now I'm getting like 50,000 downloads an episode and more, you know what I mean? And it's just so crazy how quickly things can change and they do accelerate really fast. So it's all about being consistent and then getting that momentum. And, you know, it's and the reason why I didn't give up is because I wasn't doing it for any other reason other than what we talked about before learning, networking, the lead generation thing kind of happened by accident, you know, but like
1: happy accident
0: you know, happy accident. But like, it I didn't start the show. Like when you said, why did you start podcasting? I didn't say, Oh, I was starting a biz new business model. Like, no, I, I wanted to help people. Right. And so my team worked for free because they wanted to help people. And we mm. all had this common mission. And it was like, just a really pure mission. And my listeners felt that and were really drawn to the show and would spread it by word of mouth. And so I think because I had pure intentions and it really wasn't about making money, it just fell into that because I think we're good at our jobs. But um, yeah, it was just a passion project. And I think when it's a passion project, it's really easy to keep going.
1: Passion project, pure intention, great team. And and you talked a little bit about your story to get here. It's, It's not like you started a podcast one day Then had 10,000 listens. I mean, I remember when I hit 10,000, just 10,000, I was so excited to hit that 10 number. Um, But it's not like you just started your business and did 2 million in revenue. You had a long story that prepared you with generous skill sets, like you're good at lots of things and you bring it all together and then boom, you're ready for the task. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you think that if you were failing right now, you'd still keep podcasting? Mm -hmm.
0: Four years later, I think there's always, you know, that you have to always do that analysis. Like, does it make sense to keep going or quit? Like, I've quit plenty of times and I'm really thankful I quit some things in my life. Mm. Uh, Quitting is part of learning and, 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 and growing. And so if it was four years later and i wasn't making any progress i don't know if i would keep going you know i think you you need to weigh your options because there's so much opportunity in the world and if something's not working at all then you need to kind of be honest with yourself and not waste your time or you need to pivot and change right so uh i have a great story about how i pivoted and changed so when i first started my podcast two uh four years ago um I was growing on LinkedIn and I was this big influencer on LinkedIn around the time I had like 60,000 followers and I was – which at the time was like a big deal and I was growing my influence and everybody thought I was a way bigger podcaster than I was because I was just a very visible podcaster on that platform. But when I – looked at my download numbers it was like I was nowhere near monetization like I was getting like 400 downloads an episode like it was just nothing and I was like what is going on like nobody is listening to me on Apple I also did this like bad promo like thinking that I could get like on the top of the Apple ranking and like it okay screwed up all my Apple SEO and then I wasn't like Mm. searchable and so I was like man like I really screwed this up like I'm not getting any traction on Apple where else can I go and so this is the key. This is why I was saying like a lot of people don't like they enter the podcasting industry and then they don't do the due diligence to like understand the landscape. So that was my trigger to be like, let me learn more about the industry. So then I uncovered that there's 70 apps out there aside from Apple and Spotify that promote podcasts that people can listen, that your RSS feed feeds into. First of all, I made sure I was distributed to all those platforms because I stopped only focusing on Apple for two years. All I cared about was Apple. And it's a dead end because all those people that dominate Apple started their show 10 years ago. I was already way late to the game for Apple. It was like an impossible battle. Even to when, this day, I'm in Inhala, yeah.
1: I have a Google phone
0: exactly like <laughs> like like not everybody even uses iPhone and so I would always point to my Apple link even though I have a global network especially on LinkedIn and most of those people you know outside of the US don't have iPhones right and so I was always promoting the Apple link and then I decided to switch gears and I was like you know what I've got this following I can leverage on LinkedIn why don't I reach out to the different apps and so I reached out to castbox and they had like some whole big thing we want Twitter influencers and I was like hey I'm not a tw- Twitter influencer but i'm on linkedin i'll promote your show in exchange for you featuring me in your app they did that for like a year they featured me in their app you know and now i have two hundred thousand subscribers on castbox alone right wow. and so so i grew on castbox that way i did the same thing with podcast republic and my hosting provider right then i reached out to every single one of the like Things that I use, Riverside.fm sponsored me, Audrey sponsored me, Good Pod sponsored me. All these people who are in the podcasting world, I was like, hey, like, I'll promote you on my LinkedIn if you promote me on your page. I'll promote you on my LinkedIn if you promote me on your app. Like, and I just played that game. And then all of a sudden, like, everything just blew up. And it was because I was like, let me think about what I can leverage, mm-hmm. what I'm doing well, and use that as a way to, like, pivot and help my podcast grow. And now everything is just happening so quickly because I uncovered how the industry works. And I found out that you can do media buying for your podcasts. And um, I started teaming up with Jordan Harbinger and being like, hey, like me and Jordan will promote your stuff if you feature us on your app. And and we just started playing like creative strategies so that we could grow our show. So uh, that's a great lesson in being your, like having your eyes Mm -hmm. wide open. So you can actually see what's going on and not just doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results.
1: Eyes wide open. Check your blind spots. I I love this. Wow. Do you have any resources? Um, Obviously, your podcast is a resource in itself. Listen to the show. There really isn't a quick way to success. You need to be learning. But do you have any resources that can help people on this kind of stuff?
0: On podcasting. So I do a lot of Ask Me Anythings. If you guys go on my podcast, you can find like Ask Me Anything episodes where I talk a lot about podcasting. I I talk a lot about podcasting in my guest interviews like this, and I'm going to be launching a course Very soon. So later in this year, I'm going to be launching a course where anybody can basically launch a podcast in a week with me. And we come up with your brand story. I'll help you with marketing tactics and content and, and templates and things like that. And so we are working on that right now. We'll be right back after a quick break from our sponsors. I want to talk to all you employers out there and let's talk about company culture. That's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash profiting free with code profiting free.
1: Love it. how I've started three podcasts, but still sign me up because that sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> and you mentioned how you had this LinkedIn following and you're like, how do I utilize this clout? How do I utilize what I've built here? How do did you build that LinkedIn following? I've been on LinkedIn for just over a year and have quickly built like a local fan base and a great community. Um, But I'm not at 500,000. I'm not 100,000. Where did you start? Where should people start when they're, you know, building that LinkedIn community?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So a big part of it is consistency. Mm. So I posted every single day and I never made an excuse and I made it a part of my routine. So when I was working in corporate, I used to have to take the train. Uh, I used to work at Disney streaming services for a while. I would take the train every morning and every way back. And it was like a 45 minute ride. So my way there was my post of the day. My way back was tending to my community, responding to comments and DMs and, and just engaging on stuff. And that was my job on the train. I only had one job on the train. I could sleep for the rest of the time, but I had to do my post and, and get it out the door. And so that enabled me to make sure that I never had any excuses. Like if I had a busy day at work or whatever, like that was my time to tend to my community because it's not just going to fall in your lap. Right. So be consistent every day and post. The second thing I did that was really great was that I wasn't scared to be different. Mm-hmm. Um at the time, like people didn't post a lot of pictures on LinkedIn. Um, I had these like really bright, colorful comic book audiograms uh, back yes. in the day because I didn't have video for my podcast. Like video podcasting is like sort of a new thing, like from two years ago. So about four years ago, I was doing audio only. So I came up with these cool comic book audiograms. Nobody else was doing it. So I st- stuck out that way. I purposely picked like really bright colors. If you guys are watching this on video, I've got like neon colors behind me. And I don't, those aren't my favorite colors, but I, it was what performed. And I, I looked at the data and my original branding was pretty muted. It was like black Hmm. and just green and not as bright. And so once I started using brighter colors, it started getting better traction. So I just leaned into that. So I really looked at the data and what was working. The other thing is I learned the algorithm. Again, it's about Knowing what you're doing, not just dabbling in something, but like really diving in and like really, really understanding it. And I focused on it. I wasn't on Instagram, I wasn't on Twitter, I wasn't on YouTube. I focused on LinkedIn and I learned everything about LinkedIn and really started to understand the algorithm. So for example, you can't post links in the caption. Mm -hmm. LinkedIn wants you to stay on their platform. They don't want you to go to an external platform. They want you to stay and spend time on LinkedIn. So I put all my link in the comments once I realized that. Right. Um, if you tag someone, if they're famous, like I get a lot of these celebrities on my podcast. If they're not on LinkedIn, I don't tag them because LinkedIn will mark that as spam because they didn't right. engage. So it's like, just these little hacks. It's the way that you write on LinkedIn. People don't like chunky paragraphs or watching on mobile. You got to just do line by line, broetry style. That's what what it's called, broetry. And so, <laughs> I always do that. If you look at my posts they're short and sweet and yeah. got to have a CTA. You got to have a hook. The first two lines are super important. Um the asset that you post is super important and paying attention to the trends. It's like polls. Like at one point, um sliders were really hot right Mm -hmm. you post a pdf slider it goes viral no matter how crappy it is right (laughs) then it same thing happened with polls like you put up a poll it goes crazy you know and it's like paying attention to how things change and sometimes videos do better and pictures do better so paying attention to that and starting your own trends Uh, i started a lot of trends on linkedin right now that people are copying and i love starting trends so um Mm. all in all, paying attention to the algorithm, being consistent, knowing how to write well, and picking engaging graphics that stop the scroll.
1: As long as you can stop the scroll, you're always going to win. But you're so right. Like polls were hot and now they're being suppressed. Like yeah. you can't just do one strategy and it landed on the wall once and then do that the rest of your career. It sounds yeah. like you're always reinventing to the point that you said you're creating your own trends. Yeah. What, what What's a trend you've created?
0: So I experiment. There's a couple really good ones. And these are like gems right now because okay. not a lot of people know about them. So one on LinkedIn is to post up a picture mm-hmm. with no caption, right? So on LinkedIn, the highest engagement, and this is just, this is not like LinkedIn put it out there. This is based on all my, I run a lot of influencers on LinkedIn and I've done a lot of data and studying on LinkedIn. So the highest um how do I explain this? Like the most prized engagement interaction on LinkedIn is a share with a caption. So if somebody shares your post and writes a caption that is counted, like weighted the most in terms of what goes viral, right? Somebody shares your post with a caption. That means they, they cared about it enough to share it to their own page and then write something on top of that, that Mm -hmm. right. So that is the most thing that makes you go viral right on LinkedIn. So, I thought, well, what about if I didn't write a caption and I put up a picture that was the biggest picture that fits on LinkedIn, a four by five, right? Okay. And with just like a tweet and a very motivational, something that's already gone viral that I already know people love this tweet, or it's just something that makes you think and, and, you know, whatever it is, something that's going to be shareable and motivational and inspirational and is not telling too much where people don't have room to add their two cents. So something that's going to inspire somebody to write about something. So like I'm, uh, you know, I'm thankful for everyone who's told me no. Right. And then Mm. people will go like share it and write their own story because it's like I didn't write a story for them to think about. They get to think about their own story and share it. And so I did that and it goes massively viral every time we do it. So we did it for our clients goes massively viral. Now other people are doing it because they're realizing that these things work, a, a graphic with no captions. So it's like kind of mm-hmm. thinking about these little things that make all the difference um, and just leaning into it. And honestly, it's just it's just reps, right? All of this is just yeah. reps, reps, reps. So that's how you learn. It's doing it and then seeing what works.
1: Get the reps in, do the work. I, I totally, if you want to start trends, I will totally copy you because- that, <laughs> What I do is I I look and I see what's working and then I replicate it. And if it's not working for me, I pivot. I think it was really interesting how you mentioned that the color scheme behind you and guys show notes. If you're listening to the audio, you've got to see the video at least for like 45 seconds. So you can see how it's set up. It's gorgeous. It's creative. But you even mentioned like the colors. These aren't my favorite colors. But it worked like you were humble enough to be like, okay, this doesn't have to be so hollow that it's my favorite color scheme. This needs to be something that's going to be bright and fun and interesting, because if I'm bright and fun and interesting, I can reach more people and help more people. So was that humbling or hard for you to be like, uh, I don't like these colors that much, but I'm going to do it anyways? Or were you like, it's worth it's worth the effort, you know?
0: Yeah, it's it's exactly what you said. I just felt like, hey, I want to make the biggest impact. What's Mm. my end goal? Is it to have the best colors in the world? No, it's to to have the most listeners in the world. And so I just leaned into what's working. And even now, like, in my background, a uh, brand new studio, my muralist painted the words young and profiting in pink. And actually our main color is green. So at first I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, what if my male listeners get turned off? And like, you always need this balance of, of satisfying your audience. Everything that we do is for the audience, even the colors that I pick. So I never want to turn off my male listeners because we have a lot of them that I always try to stray away from. Like pink is usually the accent color. So um, mm. all these little nuances, I think all, all make the difference.
1: They do all make the difference. And I'm not straight away. Honestly, if you don't like pink that I'll listen to your podcast because it's a good podcast, holla. That's what's (laughs) most important. But it's true, though, that if someone does have a negative representation, they might not listen and you might not be able to help them.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I just feel like I want to make sure I impact the most people. So you need to be uh, as broad as possible in terms of your branding so that you do resonate with Who you're trying to target. I'm trying to target both male and females who are younger. And most of those people are going to stop and look at bright, colorful, friendly, Mm -hmm. inviting looking things.
1: Stop the scroll, right? Mm -hmm. So there's one thing I want to bring up from my research today. And this will come out six six weeks from when we record it. But just today, you posted a post and, and it was a photo and it said female founder. But then the word, you know, female was crossed off. And obviously, you're you're the princess of podcasting. You love that you're a female founder. But why was it crossed off in this post? Well, what was the meaning of that there?
0: Just because I feel like your accomplishments shouldn't be tied to your gender always. Like, I got a lot of people who are like, you're going to be the number one female podcaster. And I'm like, thanks but like why does it have to be the number one female podcaster right so sometimes just having that gender association all the time can feel like debilitating um but in general to your point like i love my femininity like i wouldn't change it for the world but i would love to be just seen for my accomplishments and not the fact that i'm a woman or not a woman or a man or not a man i'm just a person who is crushing it in podcasting regardless of my gender
1: yes you are a rock star thanks you're a rock star let's do <laughs> rapid fire holla this is where we wrap up with short sweet either or fill in the blank questions it's okay. like it's like family feud that it's it's rapid fire um, but ultimately it's like whose line is it anyway that the points don't matter they're completely subjective to you you can skip you can just say whatever the heck you want and okay. we'll get started with coffee or tea
0: coffee i love coffee bulletproof dave asked for he came on my show
1: Love it, love it. I'll put that in the show notes. Dave Asprey on Halataha shows Young and Profiting. Yeah, check it out. I love Bulletproof Coffee. It's so good. Um, Beer or wine? Wine, Riesling. Ooh, (laughs) Riesling. Uh, Do you have a favorite sport?
0: Favorite sport? I don't know if this counts as a sport, but I'm obsessed with bounce trampoline workouts, those mini trampolines, and you can do like cardio kickboxing on them and dancing, and it's so much fun. So I do that almost every day
1: count it that kicks my ass that is definitely a sport um what podcasts are you listening to right now
0: honestly i don't have any time to listen to any podcasts unless i'm studying so a lot of the guests that come on my show go on jay shetty's show and jordan Mm -hmm. harbinger and lewis house so i end up listening to those three
1: what is the number one thing getting you out of bed in the morning what are you excited about today
0: I get so excited about booking new sponsorships for the podcast in my network. It's like so exciting, and I always get exciting. I always get excited about the platforms that are just taking off. So, for example, I'll get like two comments on YouTube and it will like get me so psyched, even though I got like a thousand comments on my LinkedIn post. Like I'll be obsessed with the YouTube.
1: <laughs> we'll do one more odd one. I've never asked this before. So give me a second here. I'm thinking about it. So if I was one of Hala's best friends in elementary or middle school, so I was one of Hala's best friends and I started my own podcast, what would one of your best friends from like when you were a child, what would they ask you that you've been on so many podcasts? What's a question that only a best friend from childhood would know to ask you? um something you're vulnerable enough to share it doesn't have to be something overly weird what would they ask you and then i'm curious as to how you would answer the question they would ask <laughs>
0: Knowing my best friends, they always tease me about this. They'd be like, well, how do you really pronounce your name? Because my <laughs> name is actually not Hala in Arabic. It's Hella. But everybody calls me Hala now that I'm kind of have a podcast and everything like that because it's spelled like that. So I think my hmm. my uh, friends in middle school and elementary school would be like, tell us your real name.
1: <laughs> I love it. Hala, thank you for gracing us. I know your time is valuable. I gained so much value. I know every single one of my listeners did as well. If you weren't taking notes, I, re- I recommend you rewind, listen to the whole thing, take notes. If you didn't take a screenshot, take a screenshot of the show, tag Hala. Where should people hang out with you? Where should people keep in touch with you, Hala?
0: Yeah. First of all, I would love it if everybody went and subscribed to Young and Profiting Podcast. We are number one self-improvement podcast across all apps like you said, interviewed Matthew McConaughey, Seth Godin, Robert Greene—you name it. Anybody who's like somebody who talks about influence, negotiation, entrepreneurship, side hustles—we talk all about how you can level up your life and become more young and profiting. So, I highly recommend you go check out my show. That'd be my number one ask. And if you want to chop it up with me, you can find me on Instagram at yapwithhala or LinkedIn. You can search for my name; it's Hala Taha.
1: Hala Taha, it's been a pleasure. Oh my god, Thank you're amazing. You. Thank, you. thank. Thank you for spending time with all of us. I really appreciate it.